21st century leaders recognize the important role female leaders play in their organization and intentionally create coaching and development opportunities to leverage their strengths. While this episode was designed and created for female leaders and aspiring female leaders, it's equally important for male leaders as it gives a depth of understanding on how to best develop and support the female leaders in our organization. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 2, Master Your Mindset, How Women Leaders Step Up with Molly Gimmel. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals, organizations, and communities rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss, and today we're joined by Molly Gimmel, and we're going to be talking about key concepts and strategies from our new book, Master Your Mindset, How Women Leaders Step Up. Molly is the co-founder and chief executive officer of Design to Delivery, Delivery Inc., an award-winning firm providing program and acquisition management support services to federal government agencies. In 2021, she founded Valamo Leadership, Institute to help women become more effective leaders. In a minute, she will say that right because I continue to butcher it. Since 2002, Molly's been a member of the National Association of Women Business Owners. And during this time, she served on the National Board of Directors for six years, including one year as the chairperson. She currently serves as a delegate on the U.S. delegation of W20, the G20 working group focused on women's issues. Molly, welcome to the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So I've been entertaining Molly for the last three or four minutes as I've continued to mess up this introduction. Um, and so Molly, would you please say the name of your new leadership business so we all get it right? Sure. It's the Valamo Leadership Institute. Valamo Leadership Institute. For some reason, I keep going back to Valamo and okay. butchering, butchering the name. Molly's doing incredible work. You know, if you've been following the podcast, one of the things we're very passionate about is gender equality in the workplace and the development of female leaders in the workplace. What we know from the research is it's clear that companies that have at least 50% of their executive leadership are female outperform companies who don't. And once you start getting below that 50%, you start to see significant difference. Now, if there's 75% female leadership, the product, you know, the, the, the difference doesn't change, which says something, right? And so we really need to capitalize on this very interesting research. And so, you know, Molly's going to share some things with us today. On this topic, on our new book, uh, when does your book release? April 12th. April 12th. So depending yes. on our schedule, we might release this the Monday before that. Have a quick turnaround as we're recording on April the 5th, or it'll be probably the week after because we can't you know, wait to get this out. So Molly, can, can you share a little bit with us what's kind of driven your uh, passion in this area? What's kind of been your inspiration for the book? Sure. Um, as you mentioned, I have served in a lot of capacities for the National Association of Women Business Owners, and that's an organization that's really dear to my heart, and I think doing a lot of really valuable work for women entrepreneurs. And through my um, participation on the national board and other national committees, I saw that um, in a lot of times that we would have chapters, and this organization has 50-some chapters across the country, we would have chapters that would be growing and thriving and a few years later would be struggling or vice versa. They would be really struggling and a few years later would be going gangbusters. And when you looked at the reasons behind what made one chapter successful versus another, and it was almost always leadership because these chapters are run by volunteer leaders. 
Um, and so that really got me interested in the topic and what makes someone an effective leader. And so that's how I decided to write the book. When my term on the board ended, I decided to take the information that I'd um, learned and the observations that I'd made and interview women in a uh, variety of different leadership roles in a variety of different industries and bring all that insight and knowledge together to share with the next generation of women leaders. So as we were talking before the episode, you've done over 30 interviews of females mm -hmm. leaders from across the country from different professions. Is that right? That's correct. That's why I'm so excited about getting to the insight here. So before we do that, what do you see as the current landscape right now with women in leadership? What are what are some challenges women are facing that their male counterparts just don't face still today? Well, in terms of the current landscape, I mean, I think we're definitely making progress. Um, you see, you're seeing women in a lot of leadership roles, everything from the vice president of the United States on down through corporations. I think the number of women CEOs of Fortune 500 companies is the highest number it's been ever, um, as well as you know, women entrepreneurs are starting businesses left and right. Um, women are making it up through the ranks of, of larger companies into the higher management areas. So I think there's progress. I think there's still a lot of room for growth, um, but there's definitely been progress over the last 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of challenges, in terms of what, what challenges women leaders face versus men, you know, the same things that they've always faced. Um, there's still misogyny. There's still unconscious bias against women. There's still men in leadership positions who want the people around them to look and think like them. Um, there's also the issues of um, childcare and family responsibilities that fall disproportionately on women. So that keeps them from being able to re reach their full potential in their professional lives. You know, we're looking and doing a lot of research on the great resignation. One of the, there's been a huge impact and setback actually uh, in female yeah. leadership positions and, yeah. you know, the companies that shifted, pivoted and supported their, their female leaders were able more than likely to keep them. Whereas the others who, who didn't, you know, there was a mm -hmm. choice that was made. And, you know, right now we've been really breaking down the focus of this, this season is talking about 21st century leadership uh, leading the whole mm -hmm. person. How do we create these inclusive cultures and environments where our people, all of our people, um, yeah. regardless of their race, gender, ethnicity, can thrive in the organization? Because we know that the, the most mm -hmm. diverse organizations outperform those who, who don't have that diversity. So super excited Absolutely. to be talking and, and going through some of those things today. So as Molly and I talked and kind of prepped uh, for, for this conversation, uh, Molly's going to break down three, three different areas for us. One, the importance of connection. Two, Connection with yourself is a leader. Super excited about that. And then uh, the connection with those, those you lead. And so if we want to go ahead and start, Molly, with the importance of connection, you just go ahead and start diving in and I'll ask questions from there. Sure. So in the research I've done and in the interviews that I did, you know, connection kept coming out as a super important theme. And when you talk about um, leadership in the 21st century, like you said, Today's employees are very different from employees 50 years ago, and they're looking for different things from their, from their jobs and from their leaders. And one of the things that they're looking for is that sense of connection. Um, but it's not just about connection to the company. It's also connection to the people. 
that they work with. They're not just, you know, um, doing a nine to five, going home and living their life. They want their company that they work for. They want the people that they work for to be supportive. They want them to um, inspire them. They want to feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Um, And so I think to be an effective leader, you have to understand uh, the people that you're leading, connect with them, and then also connect with yourself as a leader. Um, I think one of the main stumbling blocks to women rising into leadership positions is they lack the belief in themselves that they can be good leaders. Um, And so that's why this book is structured into the two parts. The first part being connection with self as a leader and then connection with those you lead. So let's talk about connection with self and then let's talk Mm -hmm. about connection with others and some of the strategies that you see is, is most effective because, you know, now more than ever, you know, people have rethought their purpose personally and professionally. They, they want to, they want to be living their purpose. And they 70% of people, according to McKinsey's latest study, they find, you know, one of the things about work is they need to find purpose. So purpose is such an important thing and they need to have connection. They need to have that meaning in their life. They need to be valued, seen, cared about, heard, respected, appreciated. So we'll dive into some concepts there, but let's start with connection with self. Um, Mm -hmm. Why is that? uh, Why is that an area that you focused on within the book, a little deeper dive than what you just gave us some there? And then how do you, how do you establish a good connection with self and overcome some of those things? Okay. Well, the very first thing that I think is super important is getting control of the voice in your head. You know, we've all got that voice going through our head 24 seven. Well, except for when you're asleep, (laughs) talking to you and how your voice set, what your voice says to you really affects how you see yourself. And if your voice is saying negative things to you and telling you that you're stupid or you're not smart or you're not good enough, or you can't do the job right, or other people are better at it than you, then you're going to believe that. And so, you know, we, I call that mental chatter and it's, it's the voice just constantly chattering at you. And a lot of people believe that if that's what the voice is saying, then it must be true, but it's not. The voice just repeats what it's heard. So if you had parents that were very critical of you or a, um, a boss that didn't believe in your, didn't think you had the right skill set or whatever and told you those things, then that's what the voice in your head just repeats over and over and over. And so in order to be an effective leader, you have to have confidence in yourself. And the best way to develop confidence is to get that voice to be a fan, not a critic. And so in the book, we talk about some different strategies for doing that. But I think that that is the key really to all of the rest of it. I mean, that's why it's the first chapter is talking about getting your mental chatter to be on your side, um, because it's really the key to developing all of the other mindsets and, and the strengths that you need to be an effective leader. So what are some of those strategies that change the chatter in your head? Well, the first is to figure out exactly what it's, what your voice is saying. Um, and I talk about an exercise I went through in a workshop I took a few years ago where you set your phone for, to go off an alarm, to go off at random times. And you write down in a notebook, what you're thinking about, what the voice is talking about. So you can see any patterns and, based on those patterns, you can identify, oh, my voice is constantly telling me I don't want to go to work today. Why is that? Am I not happy with my job? Do I not like my coworkers or is for some reason I just 
don't, you know, it's, it's just saying negative things about my job or about my coworkers or whatever. And so, or is my boss constantly telling me I'm fat and ugly um, or whatever it might be. So you need to get a handle on what it is your voice is saying, and then come up with mantras or um, statements that contradict those negative thoughts and um, replace them with positive, with the thoughts that you want to be thinking about yourself, that you are strong, you are smart enough, you, are, you can do the job, you do a good job, um, you're helping people, whatever it is that you want the voice to be saying to support you, not, not sabotage you. That self-talk is such an important, such an important component. And I, I found with people as we, as we work with people, because, you know, this might be something that, you know, as you talk to female leaders, a lot of female leaders struggle with, but it's something as we meet with male leaders and female leaders that everybody struggles with, you know, the battle between yeah. our ears is the toughest battle wherever face. And once we take care of the, that battle, the person inside of us, like dealing with everything else becomes so much easier. So yeah. Well, that's the thing about this mindset. Let me interrupt you real quick. Is they're not just applicable to women. You know, I, for this book, I interviewed only women leaders, but the concepts in the book are applicable to everybody, not just women. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, absolutely. But I love the fact that, that you've really narrowed in your focus with women Mm -hmm. and the the struggles and challenges women face because people having a place to turn to and, and look to where people look like them and understand them and face the same challenges we're just a lot more likely to take what's said there and apply it. And so the, right. the work is just, is so, so important. So for yeah. somebody, so this, this becomes quite a process. Where, where does somebody start with some of these mantras or some of these statements and how important is it to, you know, strategically surround yourself with good mentors or coaches or friends and, and have open discussions about, about this topic? I think it's very important um, because again, the voice in your head just repeats what it hears from others, not just from yourself, but from others. And so if you're surrounding yourself with people who are saying positive things about you, then the voice hears that and starts repeating it. Um, Just like it does the opposite. You know, one strategy that I talk about in the book is to give your voice a name. Um, So for example, like I call mine Stan. Um, So whenever Stan starts to saying negative things, I say, shut up, Stan, (laughs) you're wrong. You know, I'm not bad at this. I'm actually quite good at this or whatever. And you can talk back to your voice and that gives you more confidence and um, starts getting Stan to quiet down the negative, the negativity. Awesome. I really, I really like that. I really like that concept. So the, the first thing is, what is your voice saying? Get clear on what it's saying and then kind of dig deep and ask why why, why to get to the root of what that is, then mantras, statements, affirmations, positive things, filling yourself intentionally with positive things, um, giving your voice a name, calling your voice and these negative thoughts out. Cause a lot of times, yeah. And I found this even with myself, like you have this negative thought and like, if you say it out loud, you know, if you name what it is, you begin to Mm -hmm. be able to tame it. And when you mm-hmm. say it out loud, or if you write it down on a piece of paper, it actually helps you realize how ridiculous the thought is. And then it yeah. becomes easier to overcome. Any other strategies you want to talk about related to, you know, winning that battle between your ears before we transition to the next, the next part? Yeah. Just repetition. Yeah. Repetition. You can't do it once and think that you'll, you'll fix the problem. You've got to 
be conscious of it. And it's an on, it's a, you know, continuous challenge and effort to make so, that change. So when you talk about mindset and you, you said something's really important, mm -hmm. I mean, mindset really are beliefs, right? The yeah. mindset is what our beliefs are and what we believe about ourselves significantly impacts our confidence, our ability yes. to show up. And I, and I would imagine because some of the things that, that you'd shared from this, you know, growth mindset, imposter syndrome, being decisive mm -hmm. and not, you know, yes. not taking, you know, things personally. So, okay, we're getting a, a foundational for mindset, controlling that chatter. How do we then, how do we then start to create growth mindset? Well, growth mindset um, was defined in the book mindset by Carol Dweck as someone who is open to learning new things, who understands that, that they can grow and improve um, over time. That contrasts with a fixed mindset, someone who says, well, I have the talents and the skills that I have, and that's all I'm ever going to have. So I think in order to be an effective leader, you really need to have that growth mindset. You need to understand that you don't know everything, that you can learn things, that you can get better at things. Um, you know, Harry Truman said, not all readers are leaders, but all leaders are readers. And <laughs> I said that very slowly because I didn't want to trip it up. Um, it's kind of a tongue twister. But I think really effective leaders are constantly wanting to learn and grow and um, apply what they're learning and bring in new wisdom and ideas and innovation. Uh, I think all of those are really important in order to be an effective leader. No, absolutely. You know, it's, it's funny. And I actually, it's funny. You're going to laugh. I've got the book you just mentioned right here on my desk. If you're watching on YouTube, <laughs> you can see it. Uh, mindset, uh -huh. I believe, is a foundation of our success. It's, it's the difference between who we are today and who we want to be. And, you know, it, it ties in. And so one of the things I talk about with mindset, and we got to intentionally think about what is our relationship with change? What is our relationship with failure? What is our relationship with challenge? What is our relationship with adversity? And mm -hmm. intentionally reframing that is seeing all those things as opportunity and opportunity for growth. And, you know, somebody who fails with a fixed mindset says, I'm a failure, it defines them. And mm -hmm. somebody with a growth mindset says, I failed. Now I'm going to learn what I need to learn to not fail the next time. And when we right. really own and control our mindset and in those areas intentionally, the thing I love what you're talking about is you're doing these things with intentionality because most of the time we just don't, we just accept what it is. It's very, very powerful. I mean, mindset is a choice and it's the most powerful choice that we've been given as human beings. And so it's figuring how, how do we make that choice and how do we make it effectively? And it sounds like in the beginning of the book, you've got a lot of strategies there to help people do that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk about, let's talk about uh, being decisive, unless there's anything else you want to add to that piece there. Let's talk about being decisive. Sure. You know, I think being decisive is so important, especially for women, because, you know, you see in the, in politics, when someone is called a flip-flopper um, <laughs> and that's not considered a good thing. It's considered a negative when you can't make up your mind. Or, um, and now I think being a flip-flopper sometimes gets bad press in that it's representative of a growth mindset. If you've changed your mind because you've done research, you've learned more about a subject and you realize that you were wrong or incorrect or saw something that, you know, didn't have all the information and with more information, you changed your mind. I think that's absolutely fine. However, you know, not being decisive, um, constantly changing back and forth, depending on the way the wind is blowing or the poles are showing or whatever is not a good thing. Um, I think for leaders, you really need to be able to make decisions and, dis and quickly um, 
with the information that you have at hand. So, so you're not going to ever have all of the information you need to make the best possible decision. Um, and I think that's a trap that a lot of leaders get stuck in. They think they need more and more information and then they never end up making the decisions. Um, and that's, first of all, that's bad for your organization because your role as a leader is to make decisions. That's the role of a leader. Um, and so you need to be able to do that with confidence with, that you have the information that you're making the best decision possible with the information that you have. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like the distinction you made because, you know, being open-minded and being inclusive and, you know, growth mindset, we're always learning is important. There's a difference mm -hmm. between changing your mind because you listen to other perspectives or new research or data came versus flip-flopping back and forth between choices. Um, I wrote down, you know, paralysis of analysis, you know, perfection is the great inhibitor of progress and, yeah. and our team members, you know, it, it really undermines their trust and confidence and respect in us. If we're not able to make a decision, you know, yeah. and I see leaders struggle with that a lot. And, you know, I guess I say to leaders, like, it, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to learn halfway through. We got to change directions when you can be humble mm -hmm. and vulnerable and open with that with your team that begins to help your team members right create psychological safety now they change their relationship with adversity with failure and those things and so actually by doing that we give them permission but being decisive yeah. as a leader is is super important to build the trust and confidence of our team members i like the differences you've you've outlined there absolutely and you know if you have a leader who you know and you see this sometimes whoever the last person is that talked to talk to them, that's the way they're going to go. Then your team can't trust you. You know, if you, for example, if I'm a leader and one of my team members comes to me and says, Hey, I think we should do it this way. And you say, Oh yeah, that's a great idea. Absolutely. And then someone else comes and says, no, we should go this way. Oh yeah, you're right. That's a great idea too. And you know, it's, um, you just go along with whoever the last person is, then your, your people can't trust that that you have their back, that, that what you're saying to them is accurate, that you're a person of your word. It's a lack of integrity, really. Um, and you're right. You know, if, if you make a decision and it turns out that it's wrong, then you need to just own it, apologize, fix the damage that was done and move in a different direction. Awesome. Great, 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 great advice. And it's so important, especially like you said, the people in the workforce today are different than the people 50 years ago. Yeah. And the, the strategies you're outlining here are so important for the 21st century leader. How do you, how do you learn not to take things too personally? Because as human beings, right, we take things personally. It's hard. It's really, really hard. And this is one I struggle with all the time. Um, but the fact of the matter is most people are focused on themselves. <laughs> 99% of the time, they're not focused on you. They're not seeing things from your perspective. They're focusing on what's best for them, what makes them look good, what will help them get ahead or achieve the goals that they're focused on. And so if they treat you poorly or say something that hurts your feelings or um, fire you or cancel your contract or whatever, it's almost always going to be because of them because of something that's going on in their business, in their lives, not because of you. And so you have to, this is something that I think more women struggle with than men. Um, even in business situations, women take things personally and 
it's just something you have to be able to remove yourself. You have to be able to remove yourself from the situation, try to see things from their perspective and realize that it's not about you. It's about whatever's best for them, for their business, for their life. And it's really hard. I, you know, it can be really hard to not take it personally, but um, I think you'll be more effective as a leader if you can make yourself get to that point. I think it's, it's essential in leadership. You know, leadership isn't for the faint of heart. Leadership is difficult. It is abnormal human behavior because like you said, so many people, mm-hmm. it's all about them, all about how it impacts them. And that leadership, the first thing leadership mind said is, you know, a shift from me to we. And so one of the things that, that we talk about a ton is you got your personal life and you got your professional life, you know, and if somebody's talking about your wife, your kid or your mom, um, you know, that that's personal in nature. Um, but, but with a lot of the things that happen day to day in the workplace, it's not personal, it's professional and being able right. to separate that and then really having a mindset to where, how do we rise above? How do we continue to rise above? Because mm-hmm. I agree with you. If, if, if people are saying things that you're going to take personally, that's an issue within them. It's their insecurity. It's their jealousy. It's, it's their lack of confidence being projected onto us. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really, it's really what it is because confident and secure people who aren't having those things going on, don't take shots at other people. Don't, don't make things that other people take personally. So the insight right. there is, is just really pure gold. Yeah. You know, and it could be a situation where, you know, one of your, one of your clients cancels your contract and you could be like, you know, a lot of times people will take that personally. Oh, they canceled my, they don't like the work that I did. They think it's not good enough. They, whatever it might be, but it could have nothing to do with you. It could be, they got a budget cut and they didn't have anything else that they could cut or, you know, who knows what the situation is. Most of the time, it probably has nothing to do with you, but so many people will take that personally. Um, even if it's something that is personal, you know, if someone, if you hear through the grapevine that someone made a not very kind comment about you personally, you know, some, something, you just have to try to let it go. Um, it's, it's hard. It's really hard, but that's the only way to focus on your goals. Cause just like 99% or people are 99% focused on themselves, you know, you have to be focused on we, but you also have to be focused on yourself and what your goals and objectives are. And your goals and objectives are to move your organization forward and support the people in it. So you can't spend your time worrying about what other people are saying about you, even if it is unkind. Sure. And, and also something that pops into my mind, really, when you fully embrace growth mindset is, is a reframe that look, all feedback is positive. Now I'll decide from who the giver of that feedback is about what yeah. weight I give it. But, but this feedback, while maybe uncomfortable, is an opportunity for growth. It's a learning experience. It's a way of self-reflection. It's a way to you know, realign and balance your emotional intelligence if you don't believe it to be the case. And so mm-hmm. when we start to reframe that, um, it, it becomes so much easier. And I think this is something I know for me, I, I struggled with a lot earlier in my career. Um, mm-hmm. but as you, as you grow through it and kind of build your armor, as Brene Brown would say, um, right. it, it becomes easier when you have these different mindsets and shifts that you're sharing, it becomes mm-hmm. easier as well. And one just saying intentionally, like, I'm not going to take things personal. I'm going to let it roll off me. I'm going to decide depending on the source yeah. is it legitimate or not. And I'm going to move on from it because they don't control yeah. who I am. I control who I am. 
And, and when you come from the recognition of what motivates, you ask the question, what's motivating those comments? It, it becomes very easily in a lot of things to dismiss it and move and move past it. Absolutely. So, Exactly Let's right. anything else you want to share on connecting with yourself. I think a lot of things you're talking about and you've shared um, mm-hmm. by nature help us overcome imposter syndrome. But are anything yeah. else related to imposter syndrome you wanted to share before we talk about connecting with those you lead? Sure. Imposter syndrome, you know, a lot of people are talking about imposter syndrome lately. It seems to have cropped up over the last year or two as as the the uh, popular term to uh, du jour. But you know, I think with imposter syndrome, the, the way to get past it is really, some people talk about fake it till you make it. And I don't necessarily endorse that. Um, I think you need to really look at why you're feeling imposter syndrome, figure out what it is about the situation that's making you feel like an imposter. Um, if it's, you feel like everybody's smarter than you, or everybody has more experience than you, or whatever the situation is, figure out what that is, and then do something to rectify it. Either that, or look at the situation and find out if what you think is really true. You know, when I um, first went to work at Arthur Anderson, um, I was thinking everybody was so much smarter than me and everybody had so much more experience than me. And as I got to know them, I realized that they really weren't. (laughs) I was just as smart as they were. Um, Maybe they got hired right out of college and I didn't because I didn't have great grades in college because I was more focused on my social life. Um, But that didn't mean that they were any smarter than me. Um, and I could work just as hard and do just as good of a job. And so, in fact, I realized that I was actually smarter than a lot of them. Um, they just got better grades for whatever reason. So, you know, look at what it is about the situation that's making you feel insecure about yourself and see what you can do to fix it. If you, if it's true that you really are less educated, then go do some research on the topic. Um, go take a class, um, do something to, to fix the situation. No, absolutely. So that you're not feeling like a, an imposter. Mm-hmm. The, so the, the figure to you make it, I was, it was some time ago. I remember seeing this on Twitter and the, the reframe to that and the shift to that was fake it until you become it. And I really yeah. like that. I really liked how you lean into it and you will become it. And as you said, mm-hmm. you'll figure out what is it that you need to do to fill that gap and fill that void. And the next thing I hear is comparison. I mean, comparison yeah. is the great destroyer of, of confidence, happiness, yes. fulfillment. And, you know, it's the underlying yeah. factor a lot of times in jealousy, envy, backstabbing. So we've really got to intentionally in our mindset, stop comparing. It's okay for mm-hmm. us to be at different parts of our journey than other people right. are. And, yep. and oftentimes when we make comparisons and we see surface things, we're, we're actually wrong. If you knew the other person's whole situation, you know, none of us have it as put together as maybe people come across. Some are just better at at pretending or putting on a front. And right. so as we think about imposter syndrome, I wanted to add a couple of those things from, from our experience, because uh, it's such an important thing. Once we get past it, right? Once we mm-hmm. get past it and, and we, we implement these things you're talking about and our confidence from within begins to raise and elevate, then we can really accomplish anything we put our mind to. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100% agree. So let's take a little shorter, let's take a little shorter dive and let's uh, mm-hmm. talk about connecting with those we lead. What are some of the critical things you found from your interviews with these 30 female leadership experts across the country? You know, I think it's so important as we, as we, as we said previously, you know, today's workforce is different. Today's workforce wants to feel connection to the people that they're following. Um, when you think about people like Oprah, Um, When you think about people 
like, um, God, I'm trying to think of people that people, Sarah Blakely, that people feel that when they say, who are some women leaders that you look up to? You look at women like that. And part of what people feel, why people think of them as great leaders is because they feel connected to them because they know their story. So I think a big part of um, connecting with those you lead is being authentic, being who you really are, telling your story, even your struggles, um, being approachable, not feeling, not seeming like you're off on a pedestal that no one could possibly um, relate to you. Um, having humility, not, not being full of yourself and, um, and having empathy, um, being able to understand what you, the people that you're leading are going through from their point of view and being able to relate to that. I think all of those are really important factors in connecting with those that you're leading. Is, you know, it's funny because it, it used to be this whole framework and concept, like you're this person at work and leave your baggage at the door and yeah. this is all business. And when you leave, then that's your separate self. And that's just that. I mean, it's ridiculous, yeah. right? There's, we right. are our whole person and that's why leading the whole person has ever been more important. And to do that as leaders, I love what you're talking about this authenticity, you know, share your mm -hmm. story. Don't just share yeah. the good things. And in fact, people don't connect on your accomplishments. You can win a million awards. Right. We don't connect like that. We connect on our struggles. We, right. we connect through challenges. We connect through right. adversity, you know, that approachability mm -hmm. that, you know, we leaders. We connect through stories. Yeah. We connect through stories. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not just do this, do that, but we connect with, hey, this happened to me and here's how I handled it. And, oh, okay. Yeah. You know. What are some things leaders can do day to day to bring these things to life and establish meaningful connection with their team members? Um, well, like you said, don't just have that business persona, you know, be your actual self, your person, you know, talk about your personal life, um, ask about their personal life, um, have, you know, a lot of people talk about having an open door policy, but when the door is open, when someone actually appears at the door, you're, you're not really there. You're in the middle of something and, um, I think it's important to maybe have office hours where anyone can drop in or call you or shoot you a text during that time. And you'll, whatever you're doing, get, gets put on the back burner until you're in available so that you're available to the people that you're leading. Um, I think that availability, that bringing your full self to work, um, all of those are really important to, to make that connection. The, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot about, I think proactive communication is one of a leader's greatest tools. You know, at mm -hmm. times it can, if you haven't developed that good relationship yet with somebody, them coming to your office and coming into the boss's office, uh, quote unquote, can be very intimidating. And so we got to meet True. people where they're at. We've got to go out and meet people in their spaces, proactively communicate, you know, and it's crazy to me how important, you know, just as you, you know, when I come in to, to city hall in the morning, you know, it, try to stop by the front desk, give a smile, say good morning, you know, mm -hmm. depending on what's going on and how tight the time is, you know, going back in, having a conversation, just bringing positive energy, smiling, Definitely. engaging a wave, you know, the office that I have in city hall, 
um, has these nine windows that face out into a hallway. And I love it because even though it's busy and the day schedule a lot when it's a very traveled area, and, and even if you're in the middle of something, you can wave or smile at somebody. And so just those little things, and then, but then really taking time to sit and get to know people. And, and yeah. if I, I get it, we're all busy. It's, it's tough. I got to do a better job at it. And if, if that's the case, schedule it because yeah. you know what your schedule gets done and it's important. It's mm -hmm. this, this area of connection you speak about, that's what, that's what you, you can't really have meaning or accomplish your purpose. If you don't have connection, it seems to be a foundational piece. And that's just more important now than ever. And as, as people, yeah. you know, scratch and claw for top talent, you know, recruitment is one thing, but we really need to focus on retention. We keep talking about recruitment. We need to focus on retention. If we create mm -hmm. these great cultures and workplace experiences, our people will become our best recruiters. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the issues with retention, they say that 60% of people don't leave their jobs for more money. They leave to get away from a bad manager or a bad leader. Um, so if you can be a more effective leader and connect with your people more, you'll have higher retention because it's not just about money. It's about the other things. It's about making people feel valued. You know, one of the things that I try to do um, well, before the pandemic, when everybody was working, all my employees, for the most part, we have a, a small corporate staff, and then most of my employees work at customer site. And so every quarter, I would go to each customer site and take the team out to lunch, you know, meet with the client, make sure everything's going smoothly, all that work-wise, but then take the team out to lunch and have you know, get to know them as people talk about, you know, where are you going on your next vacation? What are your kids doing? You know, how their soccer team, how their soccer game go, um, you know, whatever is going on in their lives. So you get to know them as people and they get to know you as people, as a, per as people, as a person. Um, and that really builds that connection and um, makes it, makes them feel more connected to you, to the company and to their jobs and want to stay longer. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about that, you know, it creates very high levels of the feeling of belonging. And the mm -hmm. one shift that, that we've made is from team and team environment and great team and part of the team to family. How do we create a family-like environment in the workplace? You know, we have our city family. And that's a powerful thing. When people start using those words and referring to it that way, that's that's the, I think, one of the highest levels of, of connection, the highest levels of belonging. Um, and you know, and, and people got to find out what works and, and what's best for them. So as we, as we start to close up, are there, are there any other things you want to share you thinking are important? I haven't been able to cover with either connecting with those you lead or, or, or maybe a final thought as we head out. Um, you know, I think just that, you know, being an effective leader is about it. There's not just one thing. I think, you know, um, sometimes people think, oh, in order to be an effective leader, you just need to do this. And I don't think there's just one thing. I think, you know, these mindsets that I cover, the 13 mindsets that I cover in the book are all, are all important. They're all interrelated and, you know, nobody's going to be great at all of them, but you should try as hard as you can to try to be at least good at, at most of them. Um, because, these are the things that today's employees, the 21st century workforce is looking for in their leaders. And like I said, the primary reason people leave jobs is to get away from ineffective, bad leaders. And so the more effective you can be in your mindset in developing 
um, that leadership mindset, that confidence, that connection with yourself and others, the, the more successful your company, your organization is going to be. No, absolutely. Pure, pure, pure gold there. And, and like we said too, there's no blueprint for leadership. We all have to embrace what our strengths are, what our gifts are. And there's, yep. there's, there's really, there's hundreds of ways to lead the right way. And, mm-hmm. and there's some really clear ways to lead the wrong way. And, you know, it's, it's so important for us to understand that and find our true self. And that's what I love about the book and the focus about connecting with yourself, who you are as a leader, you know, talking about, you know, your mindset is a foundational piece, overcoming imposter syndrome, not taking things too personally, the ability to be confident and decisive. And that comes with conquering those other things. And, mm-hmm. and I also, you know, when I said it earlier, but I, I love the way that you've written this and you've emailed, uh, you've you've interviewed these female leaders from across the country. Cause I think that's important. And I think that as much as it's important for male leaders to be lifting up, you know, our, our female leader counterparts, it's important for, for these female leaders to have places to turn to where they understand, you know, we, yeah. you know, as a male leader, I try to understand, but I can never put myself in a female leader's shoes. Cause I haven't been there. And so I really enjoy that. And then the importance that you talk about of connection, you know, if there's something that I'm going to take, from this conversation, it's the importance of connection. And honestly, I think we started the show by saying that companies with 50% female executives outperform companies who don't. It's because mm-hmm. I think I think females, I think women are just better at connecting. And this is an essential ingredient that, that female leaders can leverage and that male leaders, if they're good at it, amazing, keep adding layers of greatness to it. And if they're not, shift and get that focus. Because when we take care of our people, when there's high levels of belonging and psychological safety, when we empower people, believe in them, build their confidence, great things are sure to come. We take care of our people. They'll take care of the results. Molly, where can people find you at? They can find me at mollygimmel.com. mollygimmel.com. Also on the socials, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all Molly Gimmel. All right. Excellent. So we'll have, we'll have those links directly in the podcast description. So people can click on that, go connect with Molly. She's doing incredible work. I'm blown away by the career that she's had. We've only been able to share a touch of that. We covered some other stuff offline, but wanted to give the most value we could to the listeners. Molly, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed our conversation. Me as well. Me as well. To our listeners, if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. Consider giving us a rating or review so we can reach more people organically. And remember, always be committed to excellence.